Now I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Mark in uh, chapter 2. As you know, we've been in the book of Mark for a few weeks already. And a very interesting passage last, uh, the week before last, I shared with you what happened when uh, Jesus went to Capernaum and ministered on the Sabbath day and encountered the man with an unclean spirit. And after that, we see Jesus performing a few miracles. We see Jesus retreating in the morning to pray with his Father. There's so many to still be shared in chapter 1 that... Um, I can remain there, and we can remain there. But what really caught my heart and my attention is in Mark chapter 2, it starts off with Jesus again finding himself in Capernaum, this um, fish's village. This, as I shared with you, this village filled with simple people, ordinary people, from all walks of life, Little fishes village just to the north of the Sea of Galilee. It says this, and read with me. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, a few days later. I think somebody's speaking to me. <laughs> Wait, let's just look. Speak. Is it, is it your wife? <laughs> you, can, you can talk, no problem. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. Oh, what a joy to be the church. I was just thinking, maybe we should go to Samuel. Maybe there's a drastic change in the air this morning. Mark chapter 2. Jesus finds himself in Capernaum again. It says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking. They were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
man. Capernaum had a double dose in a few days of the glory and the authority of God. Let's just pray over the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that as the word was given, so also this morning you reveal this in our hearts. And we pray that you would make your word alive in us. Father, we pray that your word will do exactly what you are sending it out to do. That it will bear fruit in our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would minister in us, to us, and through us in the way that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now it says a few days later, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he came home. There's not a lot of places where you hear this phrase. They heard that he came home. So for Capernaum, it felt, listen, he's, because Peter's house is here, he started here, you know, this, this was, was home. So it's, this is not something you hear a lot. Now, so they owned that it was theirs that Jesus was there and they knew what happened before. They saw what happened with the man with the, with, the, with the evil spirit inside of him in the synagogue. They also saw, which we didn't get time to really lean into, they saw that, that he, he raised up Peter's mother-in-law. They also saw what he did with, with all the people that showed up at the end of the Sabbath after the sun went down. They thought Jesus was going to take a break and rest. No, Jesus was available. Everybody gathered at the door. And Jesus started healing people everywhere. People were just joyfully rejoicing and, and, and being glad about what God did. This is what, what they experienced in Capernaum. They saw all of these things happen. And just a few days after that, here Jesus comes again. So you can forgive me for, for saying that there was an air of expectation from the very beginning. You remember what happened? Remember what happened in the synagogue? You remember what happened with Peter's mother-in-law? Can you remember when everybody gathered at the door? So much so that people were, were almost pushing to get inside, you know, and, and Jesus was just healing people everywhere. Can you remember what happened? He's here again. It says, and a large crowd gathered. People heard that he'd come home. Such a large crowd, such a large number of people that there was no room left. In this room where Jesus was, in this house where Jesus was, nobody could fit in anymore. People were outside, crowded outside. So I can imagine how it must have felt inside. Not even to mention what it must have felt outside for the people just trying to get to him. Now, it's in this context where we see in this room, there's a lot of people gathered and two parties that gets mentioned. First and foremost, we see the teachers of the law. The Pharisees, we see them and, and Scripture just says they were sitting there. They were seated, some Pharisees, some teachers of the law. And the other presence, of course, was Jesus. That was what all the commotion was about. Jesus wasn't there with ulterior motives in the sense of trying to catch anybody. That, they, that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were trying to make sense of all of this. They were trying to control all of this. So they were in the room. Either they arrived early or they pulled some favors. 
Isn't it so? I don't think they were there first. I just think they heard that a large crowd was gathering. What's happening? It's that Jesus. Well, you, you can say, but you can't say that Jesus. Hey, they said this fellow. What is this fellow doing? That's where they were. So when people were gathering, just thinking. I think they arrived and said, just, sorry, sorry, excuse me. We are teachers of the law. And they, um, they used their position to get inside the room. Needless to say, they were there. Jesus was there. The whole house was filled with people. And while all of this was happening, there was a group of people outside, four friends. Now they heard Jesus was home. Yep. And they just decided for themselves, listen, we've got this friend of ours that we've got to get to him. Now it took them a little while because, you know, the four of them carrying their friend that was lame just arrived a little bit slower than those just running to be there first. And they didn't have the authority, the positional authority, the assumed authority of the teachers of the law to say, sorry, sorry, guys, we've got a sick person. I said, there's lots of sick people here. Wait, wait your turn. They were standing outside with this friend of theirs. Now, let me just share this with you. Obviously, they tried to get him as close to Jesus as possible because everybody was trying to do that. That's the reaction. That's the effect Jesus has when he arrives, when he shows up. Definitely when he showed up there. They were trying to get in and couldn't get in. And then these four men, they thought, no, you know, if, if you can't get close to him just as an individual, what chance do we have? So they turned around and, and uh, left it for a bad day. Yes? No. They thought there's no way that we're not getting to him. They've just got to follow with me. Why do you think that is? Firstly, let's, let's just start with these four men. Firstly, one thing that we're sure of is that they loved this man that they were carrying. Because you don't arrive at the door of a house that's full and crowded on the outside and you can't get there and then just decide, okay, listen, wait a minute, we've got to make a plan. We're not going to stop. We're going to get you there. Maybe, maybe not today. No, today. Jesus is here. We don't know when he's going to be here again. Today, we're going to get there. But it's full, can't you see? We're not going to turn around. We won't get there. We've tried. But we know this, that they love this man. They loved their friend so much that they decided with him. Now, it was difficult to get to the house through the crowds. How difficult do you think it must have been to get a layman on top of a roof? And by the way, it's not the kind of roof we have nowadays, lifting three tiles and then dropping somebody down. They dug through that roof. They opened that roof. They shoveled through the roof. 
It's basically they, they made, put in some effort to make sure that they could get their friend that they loved so much just so that they can get him to Jesus. Now, now quickly, just follow with me. Imagine inside the house. Jesus is doing what? Jesus is preaching. Sometimes we just read over this stuff and we just leave it all in there. Can you imagine Jesus preaching? You hear somebody going, doom, doom. I think the first thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have said, find out who that is. Tell them, Jesus is teaching. Hey, put off that cell phone. Peter is preaching. (laughs) You see, you can always use every moment. Say, come on, be quiet. Jesus is preaching. Do you think nobody was complaining while they're doing that? Just between you and me. Do you think they weren't really very spiritual people, prominent people saying, get down there. What are you guys doing? And by the way, they're digging with a layman. So either three of them had to hold while one is digging, I, I don't know, but, but they, they opened the roof with cross slats and so on, and they got through there and pulled everything open. Now, remember, again, as I said, it's not our kind of roof, so, so they must have started things falling. Hey, just follow me. If you say, that doesn't say that in Scripture. Hey, if, if it says Jesus went from here to here, I assume he walked. Sometimes it doesn't say that, but you can assume that. Are you with me? If somebody digs through your roof, there's some things falling on you. And Jesus is ministering and Jesus is healing people and he's, and he's preaching and he's helping and he's changing people and there's some stuff falling from the roof. Man, what a service. And people on the inside are astonished, but they're complaining. What are you doing? We're having church in here, man. These four guys, they had so much compassion on this friend of theirs that they were not going to turn around, not for nobody. Not for a crowd, not for people shouting, get down from there. Not for people shouting, hey, there's stuff falling on us. Not for people saying, be quiet, Jesus is talking. They were coming through. It was an aggressive kind of a love. It was a kind of love that will vandalize somebody else's home to get to Jesus. Hello? Am I, am I wrong? I mean, can you imagine the owner of the house? Who are you? Man, I, sometimes I just wish I was there. They would not be put off. Not by nothing. And whatever happened that day, when they started off, that paralyzed man was already rich. He was already a blessed man. He had four friends. They would not only say, listen, we would do anything for you. They would literally do anything. We're going to get you to him. I, I, I don't know, guys. The crowds are a lot. Maybe. No, no, no. We're going to get you to him. He already started off well with people loving him so much. That, that just some of the stuff that just grabs my heart. He had something which a lot of people would pay a lot of money for. It's just good, deep friends, uh, relational uh, relationship and, 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 and friends that will stick it out with you. You see, the thing is, right throughout the life of Jesus, 
Whenever you see sacrificial love, whenever you see a deep love, every single time Jesus reacted to that. But not only do we know that they loved him, these four also truly believed. You don't vandalize somebody else's home. By the way, what, what, what do you think happened afterward? Everybody had a joy. And, and what, what do you think the owner said? Hey, you fall. <laughs> yeah? They had the kind of faith, it doesn't matter what. We're going to get you to him. We believe. They knew. Their faith was in Jesus and Jesus alone. Remember, there was a lot of rabbis around. But they knew that's the one that healed the man with an unclean spirit. That's the one that raised Peter's mother-in-law. That's the one that did not go to rest after the Sabbath and when everybody showed up at night. That's the one that kept healing and saving and restoring people. They believed in Jesus. They knew what Jesus could do. Their faith was firm. Love and faith. Now just think for yourself, just quickly, of what you know about Jesus. Whenever you get love and faith, and especially if you get them together. A sacrificial kind of a love and an unrelenting faith. He's just gonna know that, listen, something's gonna happen. Jesus is gonna react to this. See, there's a scripture in Matthew 11 verse 12 that, say, that says this. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Let me share this with you. Sometimes it's needed to be forceful in your faith, to have such a love that will say, I will not stop to bestow my love. I will not stop to see this faith that I have find its fulfillment in Christ. The kingdom is not always, as I'm famous for saying, moonshine and flowers. <laughs> it's not always just flower beds and roses and beautiful things. The kingdom sometimes is breaking through a roof while your friends are holding somebody saying, listen, just hold on, we'll get you to him. Guys, I can't dig anymore. I can't, I can't get this open. Okay, you two have got to hold on. We'll, we'll get you through. Their faith was persistent. But their faith was also more than just persistent. They were very creative. They were the only four people on the roof. Everybody else said, you'll never get there. They said, yeah, you watch us and see. We're going to get there. Through the wall, through the roof, doesn't matter. We, we're going to get there. The kind of faith that would not take no for an answer that said, Lord, you've got to show us a way. We want to get to you. Their faith was also sacrificial. I told you this already. Somebody has to repair that roof. And believe me, they lived close by. They were from that town. Yes? What do you think the owner of the house? I wonder who they were. No. Hey, you. Bart Lemoyers. I know where you live. You're going to fix this thing when all of this is done. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? He knew exactly. Their faith was sacrificial. See, the thing is, 
through love and faith, more often than not, is the way to the heart of our Lord. Love and faith. A love that moves by faith. A faith that that moves with persistence and creativity, that is sacrificial in its nature. Let let me ask you, before we go on, we're just spending time with these four. Let, Let me ask you, do you have that kind of faith? And if you have, maybe you think, listen, I did. Have that kind of faith that just wouldn't turn around. It wouldn't stop. That kind of love, that kind of compassion that said, listen, I'm gonna get you to where you need to be no matter what it takes. Has that kind of love and that faith, has it brought you to a place of persistence? Sacrifice. Do we truly love the people around us so much that we will not stop? Even if we have to dig through a roof. Let that one simmer. You see, but they were not the only ones and they are not the only ones in this account that Jesus is sharing here, that Mark is sharing with us about Jesus. Listen to this. The Pharisees were also there. I already mentioned that they were sitting there. Just just see the contrast. Most probably didn't arrive first, but ended up with, I would say, some of the best seats. Yeah, that's what we read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You have these men digging through the roof and, and, and the, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, they were sitting there. I could imagine that they could have used their time a little bit better. I could imagine they could have been maybe saying, listen, taking the authority that they have instead of finding a spot to sit, saying, let's direct traffic, let's, let's make sure that Everyone that wants to get to Jesus gets to Jesus and moves on. So, you know, just being some kind of ushers. It's just, when I read this passage, that's the kind of thing, I think that that's what they could have done. But they were sitting there. And instead of love, they were indifferent. They didn't really care about what was happening. I'll show you now out of the text. Instead of love, they had indifference. And instead of faith, like these four on the roof, Their hearts and their minds were filled with criticism. Yeah. Let me read it to you. So after these men brought this man and lowered the mat that he was lying on, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, verse five, to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That's what they were doing. That's what Jesus would do. In verse six, now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, what does this fellow talk like? Or why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus knew what they were thinking. I want you to hear this. They didn't even utter these words. They were thinking critically in their hearts. They didn't care about the man. They didn't care about him. 
His friends lowered him. He was the one in need. They only cared about what was right and what was wrong. What is this fellow saying? He's blaspheming. They don't see the paralyzed man. They're just trying critically to catch Jesus. Now, when Jesus spoke and when Jesus said this, your sins are forgiven, we have to ask ourselves, why did Jesus say this? Let's get very practical. The man is paralyzed. He's lowered through the roof by four of his friends. And Jesus says to him, firstly, says to him, your sins are forgiven. Not take up your mat. Not stand up. Not you are healed. Or their faith is not. not. First, he just says, your sins are forgiven. Because of their faith, Jesus addressed his sin. Why did Christ say this? can be a few reasons. Firstly, it can be because of a sin that manifested in this paralyzation of the man. It can be. Secondly, regardless of this man's sinful conviction, or convic, uh, or condition, and I'm gonna speak into what could have happened in terms of, of the sin being part of what he struggled with, but I will say this with you. Secondly, regardless of the man's physical condition, his greatest need by far, as any of us, was the forgiveness of sin. You see, Jesus saw the man. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was there to do. He might say, but Peter, he's in any case going to heal him. That, that, that's what we read. But Jesus knew the true need for this man, as any of us, is the forgiveness of sin. Let me share this. The forgiveness of sin was a far greater work. The forgiveness of his sin. Hear me say this. I want to be very clear in this. You can forget everything else, but you've got to get this. The forgiveness of his sin was a far greater work than the healing of his body. So Jesus met the man's greatest need first. Because that need and the fulfillment of that need was not temporal but internal. And the moment Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, you are set free. There's two reasons I think Jesus said that. Firstly, because that's the greatest need. Secondly, because Jesus knew, obviously knew what was going to happen just now. And I'll show you out of the text that there's a so that you shouldn't miss. Listen to this. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking. What were they thinking? What is this man saying? He's blaspheming. They're just thinking of what Jesus said. And Jesus asked them, why are you thinking these things? And now I need you to follow with me. Jesus asked them, which is? Can you read with me? Which is easier? So Jesus first said, your sins are forgiven. Secondly, Jesus asking, why are you thinking these things? Why are you thinking like this? And then he said, which is easier? Because here's the Pharisees saying, no, no, 
If you say you are healed, there you go. So be it. But they have a problem with Jesus saying your sins are forgiven. And Jesus addresses the stuff that they don't even think of. He addresses the condition of their heart. Jesus asks them, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or take up your mat and leave? Let me share this with you. They weren't able to say either the one or the other. We've got to get this. Jesus said, okay, wait a minute. You've got a problem that I say sins are forgiven. So you wouldn't have a problem if I say take up your mat and leave. Jesus asked them, which is easier to say? Let me share it with you from a, from a human perspective. Both in our condition, for us as individuals alone, is impossible to say. Hello? Without Christ, it is impossible to say, hey, stand up, take up your mat. The Pharisees are sitting there. They're not saying, take up your mat and there you go. They know that's impossible, but that they don't have a problem with. But Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. That they have a problem with. And Jesus actually just pointing to their own inadequacy, first and foremost, saying, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and leave. And then he said this to them. Listen to this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. What was the reason that Jesus said to the man, take up your mat? Stand up, take up your mat and go on. Jesus said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Paul puts it this way to Timothy. He says, Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. John 3.16 says this. God so loved the world so that all who believe will not perish, but have eternal life. Let me ask you, do we have any account of this man's physical health or his health after this? Is the man still around? You've got to follow with me. So the fact that he stood up, picked up his mat and walked was a wonderful miracle for everybody. That's what they came to see. Yes? But still in the end, that man died of something. You've got to be with me. Every healing, no matter how miraculous, is only temporary in its nature. So when Jesus asks, what is easier to say? Be healed, take up your mat and leave, or your sins are forgiven. Jesus is very clear about this. It's only he that can heal, but it's only he that can restore. And then he literally says to them, but so that you know that I can forgive sins. Therefore, he turned to him and said, okay, now stand up, take your mat and leave. And when he took his mat, when he stood up and took his mat, let me share with you, then they could not doubt 
Everybody that was standing there, and they still criticized and only criticized, but they could not say anything. Why? Because the layman is walking, but his walking is not showing that he, Jesus can heal the paralyzed. Jesus is saying, the lesson that I want you to see, the authority that I want you to see, is Christ can set free from sin. As he went home, this man, he bore something far more impressive than his bed. He was carrying his bed home, but he was also carrying a clean heart home. Can you imagine him walking home, free from sin? Can you imagine him, people going, oh, you walk, he says, there's nothing. That's nothing, I'm walking, I'm carrying my own bed, but let me tell you what he said, Jesus forgave my sins. I am free. Everybody saw because we, we act according to the physical, what we see, we wanna see just like these people, we wanna see Jesus doing the miraculous and Jesus saying, I want you to know that the miraculous is that the Savior saves from sin and restores the soul eternally. That is the miraculous. Therefore, stand up, take your bed and walk so that they can know that the Son of Man forgives sins. By far the greatest miracle is the forgiveness of sin. Because the forgiveness of sin is eternal. Let me ask you, if we read this passage, you know how many times as a young boy, I read this passage, but I was also sat in sermons and this passage was preached. And I was so honestly, here's, here's the stuff that I bring from that different sermons that I heard and, and times that this scripture spoke to me, I, I felt, Lord, I wanna be one of those four men. I, I wanna be that kind of a person. I wanna love that way. I wanna, I wanna have faith that way. I don't wanna stop when things get difficult. I wanna love so much that I would not stop to bring anybody that you send my way to Christ. That spoke so much in my heart, I said, God, you can have everything I have. Help me, I wanna be that kind of a friend. I don't wanna stop. I wanna be the kind of a friend that, that has relentless faith for those around me. That's the stuff that I took. I even took a message out of it saying, listen, I never wanna find myself in the church, in the synagogue, in a house filled with the glory of Christ. Luke says, and the presence of God was there for miracles. In Luke 5, that's how he describes it. The air was, and there was an air of anticipation. There was a, 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 a I almost wanna say, good soil for miracles. That's what was there. But Lord, I don't wanna sit there like a Pharisee and a Sadducee thinking, oh, look, look at this person. They, they are doing this wrong. They are worshiping wrong. Or, or, or they, they're thinking still wrong about this theology. Look at them. You know, they're bouncing here in church as if, you know, they, they're going crazy. Or look at that guy, you know, standing so uh, stiff, you know, you, you would wonder if he's got any joy in the Lord. It's very quiet now. Isn't that what happens so very often? We sit in the presence of our Lord and, and there's people and there's an air of anticipation and we're busy with criticism and we're thinking things. No, no, people will never say that. They all say they didn't. 
Jesus knew what they were thinking. These were the kinds of things that I carry out of this. But you know what? This is so that I must. Because I'm always asking myself, so Lord, I don't want to preach into the word. I want to preach from the word. What is it that I'm missing? I want to read it to you. Man, and it grabbed my heart when Jesus said to them, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. If you want to know why Mark chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 12 is in Scripture, it is so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to save sins. That is what this scripture is giving us. A paralyzed man that is healed is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's glorious. We will all celebrate with him. I think if I was in the crowd and he was coming out of there, what, what happened to you? Are you the guy that went in there? I think I would just celebrate with him the fact that he's walking. But man, how I hope that if I would do that with him, he would say, wait, 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 you don't get it. He saved my sin. He restored my heart. He restored my soul within. He created peace within me. I came in, man. You think I was burdened by men carrying me. There was so much on me that nobody could see. There was stuff inside of me that ruined me, that weighed me down, that was killing me slowly, that nobody could see. And Jesus saw right through it all. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Man, even if my leg stops working, even if my arm, there's something that happens to my arm, even if this virus or that thing comes my way, my peace can be stolen. My victory cannot be taken away because my sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you, what do we celebrate? Let's ask us. What is it that we are excited about experiencing? Oh Lord, if you would just again Send your power and the lame would walk. The sick would be healed. Please don't hear me say, I don't desire that. I desire that. But you know what? They desire more than that. I desire so that our hearts would again just say, so Lord, I want to know the so in my life so that you will know that you are saved, so that you are set free. So, so that you will know that Christ Jesus saves the sinner and makes the sinner whole. That is the greatest miracle. And this morning while I was sitting with us, I was pondering on this one part that I just kept gnawing on me. And Jesus asked, which is easier to say? Which is easier to say? May I remind you, Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, not just so that sick people can be healed. He died on the cross of Calvary and paid the price on the cross of Calvary for the forgiveness of sins. Hello? Yes? I want to share this with you. This is how the Lord just pressed this on my heart. You know that when Moses saw the plagues come, come over Egypt 
They were healthy one day and then sick the other day and then healthy again, right? So right throughout the Old Testament, you see people getting healed. Healing is part of what God does. Part of what He does. But the cross of Calvary, first and foremost, testifies about the forgiveness of sins. Hello? Can I ask you how many of you here say, Lord, I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Because when we started reading this text this morning, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but we started reading this text this morning, you were thinking, even in the depths of his soul, what, what an awesome miracle. How, how wonderful it would be to see something like that. Not wrong. Do you know what's more wonderful? I stand here this morning and I look upon this audience. And man, you know how many celebrations there are in my heart about sins forgiven. Lives set free. I look upon this audience. And I see men and women dancing before the Lord, rejoicing before the King, not because they're walking and they were lame, because they were dead and now they're alive. I see men and women that are so grateful. Say, Lord, I thank you for reminding me that the greatest miracle that I could ever experience it's the salvation of my sins, from my sins. Salvation of my soul. I just simply want to do as I, I've seen it in my heart. I know there's a lot of us that have some physical ailment, some challenge in our body or something that we're trusting the Lord for. But this morning, if you are saying, Lord, there's some men that lowered me through a roof. There's some friends that didn't stop praying. There's a mom and a dad that just wouldn't give up. There's a mom that said, Saturday mornings because I was too stubborn to listen to what she was saying that would open her Bible and put it next to my breakfast. To be honest, I hated it. To go and eat my breakfast and see my mom's Bible open and a passage underlined. I'm sorry, I'm a mess. But to sit there and to know she didn't give up. Today, to know how many times that saved my life. Jesus saying, hey, you, you might be walking and you might be running, but you are lame in your arrogance. You're dead in your self-righteousness. Come here. 
I've seen your mom's faith. I've seen her relentlessly praying for you. If you hear this morning, you say, Lord, I've got a story like that or similar, but, but I thank you for saving me from my sin, from my unrighteousness. Would you just stand up where you are in thanksgiving? And we're going to thank him for what he's done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, together we want to thank you that you love us so much. You made a way and you gave your son and paid the price so that this morning we can say, we are sinners no longer. Our righteousness is in Christ Jesus our Lord so that we can say this morning, free at last and free indeed, because my King has conquered my sin, conquered my sinful situation. My Savior has set me free. Father, I pray that this morning you would see every heart as we stand up to be counted to say, Lord, we are so grateful. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one this morning that are struggling to know and to believe and to stand firm in the fact that we are free because of what you've done. We have been set free because of the price, Lord Jesus, that you paid on the cross of Calvary. And we are being formed into your likeness and in your likeness day by day. Lord, we pray that our, our focus, our hearts would be on the right place that we would celebrate day by day our freedom in Christ, our salvation through our King. Lord, I pray that you would also in us stir up sacrificial love, a relentless faith that would not stop to just present ourselves to you say, Lord, come do as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can take your seats. Thank you very much.